Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Have you heard about Prescriptive Health? Prescriptive is a healthcare technology company rewriting the script for the U.S. prescription market. This is a first in pharmacy. The Prescriptive platform enables pharmacies to connect with their patients in a more equitable and transparent ecosystem, which will foster fair pricing, better access to medication, increased adherence, and most importantly, better patient engagement. The Prescriptive team believes in empowering healthcare consumers with easy-to-use tech to fundamentally change how prescriptions reach and impact the lives of people throughout our nation. Join Prescriptive Health in rewriting the script. Learn more at Prescriptive.com. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Neeland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community healthcare. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Bruce Neeland, and I get to be the host of today's Pharmacy Crossroads podcast. Um, It's a pleasure today to have another exciting episode. I'm really interested in in our guest this morning. Um, I had a chance to meet her about 10 years ago when she was just opening up a brand new pharmacy in a cute little shopping center in Springfield, Pennsylvania, which is a greater Philadelphia area suburb, a high concentration of people of all types, backgrounds. And um, over the past 10, 11 years, she's just moved forward in a remarkable fashion. We're going to meet her in a moment. Her name is Chichi Moma. She owns uh, Springfield Pharmacy. But just as important for me, um, I have as my co-host today, my daughter, Robin Amberg, and Robin was with me on that day that we dropped in to meet Chi-Chi, and uh, we've just become lifelong friends with her, and Robin is with uh, Transaction Data Systems um, and helps pharmacists figure out how to manage their data, take further advantage of their data, and manage and market their pharmacies more effectively. And uh, so, Robin, I'm going to say, first of all, say hello and then ask you to kind of guide this interview with Chi-Chi. You've gotten closer to her over the years than I have. So, Robin Amberg, you're on. Thanks, Dad. And again, thank you so much, Chi-Chi. This is probably one of the best parts about doing these podcasts is the opportunity to get to talk um, to people that you respect and admire and, more importantly, even enjoy. And Chi-Chi is absolutely one of those people. So, Thank you. Um, So like you said, Dad, I think what's really fun is there aren't a lot of examples in my career yet where I have had the chance to kind of walk alongside or admire from it from um, close up a pharmacist kind of from start to where they are today. Chi Chi, I think 
if you may remember when we came in and first started talking, how long had you actually owned your pharmacy or how long have you owned your pharmacy, I guess, today? So my pharmacy is 11 years old and um, I opened up in 2012 and you and your dad walked into my pharmacy summer of 2013. And I remember that because I went back to my emails to search your names to see how far back and it was 2013, summer of 2013. Yes, that well, thank you. That's that's fun. And it sounds like your email is like mine with all the history um, behind it. And yeah, so it's been a long time. And like you said, you guys were only about a year if that old. So um, and, you know, over that time period, tell us a little bit about one, why, why you wanted to own a pharmacy. And for those that are you know exploring owning pharma pharmacies or how you know what was your learning curve what were some of your struggles and what do you you know what do you think were some of the biggest turning points in your ability to to move forward and be a successful uh, pharmacy owner today that's a loaded question robin it's <laughs> <laughs> a very loaded question but just to to summarize what's going on in my head um I never thought I would be where I am today. I thought I'll probably end up in the pharmaceutical industries, which is where I started after graduation, but I just felt very limited. I found myself like moonlighting after work to work in community pharmacies, and I just enjoyed it. It brought me so much joy. It brought me fulfillment. And I was like, you know what? This is exactly what I want to do. But we, we didn't learn how to run a business in pharmacy school. My dad is an entrepreneur, so I know about business, but running a, a healthcare business like this is completely different. So I did work for an independent pharmacy. Um, I call myself an apprentice for the owner because he knew I wanted to learn everything. So I served him and learned while serving him. That's the way I look at it. And that's how yeah. I started. And I served him for three years, three and a half years before I opened up mine. And I still didn't know everything when I opened up mine, especially the financial side of things. Mm -hmm. I was passionate about healthcare, passionate about patient care, passionate about helping patients, like meeting them where they are. But balancing the financial statements and understanding P&Ls was not what I what I what I signed up for, but I had to learn it very quickly. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna jump in here and and just comment because very early on you said you were in the your dad was in the healthcare business, and you've talked about yourself as being in the healthcare business. And and I love that because that's kind of what I'm preaching to pharmacy owners now is they need to step up above from being a pharmacist and be a healthcare provider. And you talked for two minutes there and never used the word pharmacy once. Um, so you've certainly grasped something from the very beginning about uh, the role of a pharmacist in the community as a healthcare provider. And, and I'm just impressed by that and wanted to jump in and say that. So back to you and Robin. Yeah. And it's a, it's a testament to obviously, I think one of the reasons why you've been able to persevere. I know that there were some challenges um, in the beginning. Um, as you talked about learning the financials of a business and, and I think, 
maybe even eye-opening at how hard running a pharmacy for profitability can be. Um, what do you think, going back to a loaded question, is there one or two things that you could say were were the tipping point of, for your pharmacy to be able to stay open and, and thriving? Or is there something that you would um, offer as an advice to a pharmacy owner today to say, hey, this is what I did that allowed me to persevere through the, the tough challenges of finances? I remember, I think it was probably year four or five, mm -hmm. and I was on the phone with you for something. And I was telling you, Robin, I, I, I'm going to quit. I'm going to sell mm -hmm. this pharmacy. I can't do this. It's too much. But then the next second, I'm like, I can't quit. I'm not a quitter, you know? Um, so those mixed emotions. But I say, investing in myself, like education-wise and knowledge-wise, learning. I spend a lot of money learning how to do things, right? I spent a lot of money on leadership courses. I spent a, a lot of money on um, understanding cash flow 101. I spent a lot of money just investing in myself because I can sit around and complain every day that I don't know how to, I don't know how to lead this team or my team is horrible. but am I actually a good leader? I'm a visionary. so I have these big dreams but actually figuring out how to make those dreams come true is always the most challenging part. So um, relationships, going to conferences, um, friendships from other pharmacy owners, not just only in my state, but across the country, listening to people's stories, figuring out how to imply it in, in my life and in my situation, um, trying to figure out how to make something better than the next person, right? Building upon what I what I already know and actually surrounding myself with smarter, you know, I'm a visionary, but I'm a, a horrible implementer when it, like when you compare both of them, right? So <laughs> trying to figure out who can help me implement this because I can dream big. Right. Well, I love that. I think it's, it's again, evident in why you are where you are and have been recognized for what you've achieved because, um, you know, you can hear the passion around what you do and why you do it very loudly. And I think it leads, it's a perfect example of how it leads into, you know, what we're really excited is to celebrate your recognition and awards in the industry for what you've done around immunizations as well. Visionary, I think, is a perfect way to explain it. Were you, so tell us a little about what you've got or how you got into immunizations and what were you doing pre-COVID and then how did that change for you COVID hit? So pre-COVID, offer, you know, flu shots, annual flu shots, and just little things, the shingles vaccines, you know, pneumonia mm -hmm. vaccines, those things that maybe CMS will also pay for. Um, but I remember when the Shingrix vaccine was on back order, some sort, I don't even remember what year that was, but even the chains didn't have it. And I remember having to call the manufacturer to get a direct account because even my wholesalers couldn't get it. And I got approved and I could order it directly from the manufacturer. And all of a sudden I became that has Shingrix that and all the way from Delaware, New Jersey, 
you know, Montgomery wow. County, just for, so I realized, hmm, how can I get more people? this i created something and i started faxing doctor's offices that's how far back that was right um there was no blast then unless i had to buy an email list but that's how people were getting i was getting referrals and we're doing a lot of shit and that was it and then all of a sudden that died down but we continued our uh normal annual influenza, pneumonia, uh-huh. you know, and that's how it started. And then fast forward to when COVID happened, some of those physicians offices knew that we had Shingrix also when there was a shortage, they started reaching out to us. Do you have access to the COVID vaccine? And back then we were only at right. a time, right? but the list was going. We had hundreds and thousands of names on our waiting list. It was it was impossible to even, like the phones were ringing off the hook. And I knew we had to do something quickly. So let me ask one question as a follow-up. So the Shingrix, your interest in obviously working hard. I mean, you, you took an initiative a lot of pharmacists didn't take of saying, I can't get it. I'm going to figure out how to get it. Was that because of patient care? Was that because you knew it was a side of your business? I mean, what was kind of your motive to say, nobody's going to tell me I can't do something? It was was more, it was more, (laughs) no, it was, well, I say all of the above, but what actually triggered it is patient care, right? Right. Seeing that there is a need and I, parents raised me, uh, that I cannot say, oh, you know, there's nothing we can do. No, solution-minded. There's always something you can do about it. That's I can hear my dad saying it in my head. There's always a solution through the front door, try the window, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it, it started with patient care. And then when I went after it and found it and I realized, oh, I'm making money from this. I can scale it up, right? Yeah. And that's when I started being more proactive and sending out the information to providers or senior centers. Hey, you might not be able to find this, but even reaching out to the chains in case, you know, you can send yeah. your customers here for their Shingrix vaccine. So it started off with patient care and I quickly realized I can make money from this. So I scaled up. Yeah. And then you built obviously a, a reputation, right? And I love that. I'm going to say it was not only reputation, but, you know, the collaboration of working with your local providers in your community who knew you had done, you were positioned, built on preparation, right? Not luck. I mean, you had already prepared yourself in your community to be somebody who was doing things that other people could set yourself up for success came into COVID. So Pennsylvania, I know a little bit was actually, harder states when it came to managing and accessing COVID vaccines. And I know you have a really, I mean, a story around how you, you had this huge list, right, of patients who were wanting it. You had very limited access. Tell a little bit about what our hero, and I say that not jokingly, because if anybody wants to go on YouTube, I think you'll actually see Chi in a superhero costume going and giving COVID vaccines. Um, so tell us a little bit a story about that. 
make sure this happens. The, you know, patient care, there was a need in my community. We did not have a health department at that time. County did not have a health department. Can you imagine how frustrating and crazy it was? You don't even have a health department to ask for information or resources on what these patients that are in, right? So I wanted to get 100 doses a week and I couldn't, you know, because um, they see you as a, in, in like, what is, what is, see looking for more than a hundred doses for. So I had to quickly figure out, let me use my resources. Making phone calls. Let me call my friend that I know that are in a little bit of higher places. Can they make a little bit more noise for me? Um, I turn to the media, you know, to say, this is the problem. This is what I want to do. Can somebody please tell the department of health to give me more vaccines? So that's how we just created more buzz. And before you know it, they started giving me 1,200 doses of Pfizer. And then at that time, I'm like, I can't fit 1,200 people in my pharmacy. It's very <laughs> tiny. So uh, I, I reached out to, because the lines were crazy. I reached out to uh, a school in, uh -huh. the, in, in, our, in our area, um, a school district. And the superintendent, he took a risk on me because he doesn't know anybody doing this. He's going to open up his school and I'm going to run a clinic. He doesn't know me. What if somebody dies? Like who's responsible? But right. he, he saw a need and he wanted to help. And he knew I want to help. And, and that's the beauty of it. People with the same values, the same mindset coming together, create magic. Which you did. Right. Um, so, are, you know, are there any quick stories or think that came from that experience or, you know, some of the fun things that you did with your staff that made what was such a trying time for pharmacies, right? I mean, you go pharmacies really became a frontline um, responder to the COVID need in communities. You're dealing with thousands of people that through. How did you keep your staff motivated? What were some of the things that you did that made it fun? There's an African proverb I always share with my team. I said, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. I said, I, I cannot do anything without you guys. Like I need your support. I need your help. You might not be at the clinic with me, but I want to make sure that the pharmacy still runs while I'm out there doing all this crazy stuff. You know, and right. and my team is like, we got you. Right. And that is so reassuring, knowing that you can be out there and you have your team got your back. You know, um, we made a lot of mistakes. We didn't know how to bill. We didn't know how to document certain things in the beginning, but we were learning as quickly as possible. It's like learning on the job. You know, you run a clinic of twelve hundred day one, four days later come back again and do it another 1200 and then another four days later. And it just was nonstop. And then I realized, wait a minute, the kind of patients coming to this clinic are not very diverse. We live in a very diverse, we, we live in a very diverse community, but it's only one-sided. 
So how do I now reach the underserved population? Because I'm happy we're able to serve, but I would just feel like a lot of people are being left out. So that's what made me flip it a little bit. And and, okay, I'm going to do this, but I want to help everyone. So what'd you do? I reached out to local leaders that I don't even, I'm not a politician, you know, I started calling senators, house of rep, you know, all these people, like I need to help your constituents. So how do I, how do you get me in front of them? I can't say I'm having a clinic at a school. There's some people that can't even drive. There's some people that don't even understand why they need to get a vaccine. There's some people that don't even understand that we're in a pandemic, right? So how can, how can I get closer to that underserved population? And that's how it started. I started going into these neighborhoods and these other places. I go to churches, you know, places of worship. I go to, I did a clinic with a senator one time where a lot of undocumented people showed up and they were afraid to even come because they they thought ICE was going to be there. Right. You know, so we had to issue a statement saying, no, they're not going to come. Just come as you are, you know, and I have people that, I don't speak Spanish and like 90% of the people there were Spanish speaking and they couldn't speak English. So thank God the Senator was able to bring interpreters. It was every day was an adventure because I didn't know what I was walking into, but I was like, God, please, you're going to help us. You're going to give us what we need for today. And that's how it was every single time. So um, during the whole COVID uh, vaccine you know, journey, when the 5 to 11 age group was approved, I was approached by um, the intermediate unit, the school system in my county to to do the vaccine for all the school districts. That's a lot. And that's the power of volunteers. So I put out there, you know, can you can you come and help? You don't have to be an immunizer. You don't have to be a um, healthcare professional. If all you do is data entry, I need help. And a lot of people came back from the previous clinics and even more people. And we have a ton of volunteers. And we went into the schools. But then we went into this one school that is underserved population, which pulls the strings of my heart all the time. And the nurse was like, hey, Chi Chi, I know you're giving COVID shots here, but do you think you can come back and do a clinic for meningitis and Tdap for some of our, our, our students? Because these are the vaccines that is required for school. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, there's been a gap where people are not able to go to their pediatrician. Um, you know how there was a gap in primary care during sure. COVID. And these kids might not be able to come back to school in September if they don't get it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to look into it. I'm sure it's not a problem. And then I went back to the pharmacy. I realized meningitis vaccine is not cheap. Um, so she's talking. It's not what? I didn't catch that word. It's not cheap. Okay. And um, there are 300 and something children that are in need. And I Googled and there's something called vaccine for children. I didn't even know that. I was like, oh, that's for people that don't have insurance or people on Medicaid, people that don't have commercial insurance that will pay for it. So I said, oh, I'll apply. So I applied. I didn't hear anything for three months. 
And the nurse called me back, persistent. It's almost like, Chi-Chi, we see all these things that you're doing. Please help us. So I reached out to the Department of Health and they said, oh, yeah, we got your application three months ago, but no pharmacy in Pennsylvania is a VFC provider, so you're not going to get it. And besides, you're number 1,000 and something on the list. So I called um, I called a friend of mine that is part of the PPCN network here in Pennsylvania. I said, do you know anybody in the Department of Health? I need to talk to somebody to tell them that there is a need. So she got me an email address and I emailed and said, there is a need in this school district. They have 300 and something kids that need meningitis and Tdap. I need you to come and give them the vaccine or you empower me to do it. Either way, I need an answer to tell them what to do, yeah. you know? And so I put them in a spot where they could, there's nothing they could do. And he called me and said, we're going to give you a provisional status, provider status. So they, they turned me on and I went in and we took care of all those kids. But now not only just those kids, more kids, right? And right. before you know it, it went from meningitis, Tdap, MMR, polio, varicella. And it was hard. I had to buy new refrigerators, a different workflow. It was very tough on my team. We lost money because not everybody qualified for VFC. Some people had to get the commercial vaccine, but it was a learning process and very fulfilling and opened it up more to other school districts. And now the Department of Health, every year you have to reapply. And I reapplied last year. They said yes again, and I'm reapplying again this year. And all of a sudden, I'm the only vaccine for children providing pharmacy in the state of Pennsylvania. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I, I have two kind of final questions that I think this leads up to, which is, um, You've had success in this. You're obviously a pioneer and a leader. How has all of this impacted your pharmacy as a business today? It definitely put us on the map. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, also make people think that we can do everything, which we can't. <laughs> um, it really has my vision and goal for Springfield Pharmacy back in the day is to be a light in the community and to bridge the gap in healthcare disparities in our community. And it feels good to say that we are a light in our community. We're a trusted voice in our community. And I am very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for my team. I'm very grateful for the people that rolled up their sleeves to help me, to educate me, to just walk along this journey, whether they got paid or not. And right now there's so many innovative stuff because you can't quiet my brain that I want to do, but there's not enough time. There's not enough resources because I need money to make money, you know? Right. Um, but it's when a different season We're like what a preteen, you know, my daughter said 11 years old is preteen and preteen comes with its own challenges with all the hormones and everything. And the pharmacy, it's raging right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing as I have a 14 year old who's now full teen. So <laughs> just get just get prepared. But um, yeah. So 
So have you felt like your business has grown because of this? I mean, are you making vaccines a profitable part? Have you gotten new patients because of this? And you're on the map, you're a light, but from a practical business side, has all of this been a positive? That's a good question because my husband is like, remember, this is not a nonprofit organization. You're (laughs) in this to make money because of how much I love to help people. Yes, vaccine beyond COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Um, when When you do vaccine well, it could be profitable. And yes, it is. Right now, we're just trying to figure out the best way to scale it up without having to lose our shirt you know, doing it. Um, A lot of people are coming to us for travel health. So we're looking into um, creating that travel health service around vaccine, because no matter what I do, the rest of the, the rest of the community seeing us as the vaccine hub. Right. It, you know, whether I put it on my website or I list it as a service, we've already been, we already known as a vaccine hub. So how do we capitalize on that and ride with it? Yep, exactly. And then the last thought is beyond this and besides this, you've mentioned through your visions and dreams that there's all kinds of other things that you're wanting to do. What do you see as kind of your next journey or next thing that you want to do for your business success over the next 12, 24, 36 months? I want to, I like to surround myself with smart people Mm -hmm. because they challenge me and they sharpen me. So I want to create, um, more like not a residency because I'm not accredited, but like a fellowship or, uh, a place where people can come and learn. Cause that's how I learned. Yeah. Your apprenticeship. Yes. (laughs) Apprenticeship because I, I dabbled into, uh, I did residency for two years through an accredited body at some point. And it really helped me um, grow. Like I saw the growth and I want to invest in that, bringing in people that are hungry, passionate, excited about making magic and helping me grow and just move on to move through this preteen to teenage. Right. (laughs) But for me to make that leap, to make that jump, I can't do it alone. So I'm trying to create a space. It's like create the kitchen and bring people in to cook what they want to cook. Right. So that's what I'm working on in the next 12 to 24 months to bring in those smart smart kids, I call them, you know, Mm -hmm. to bring them in so that we can create something and also create a platform for them to learn and grow so that they can do what I did, but do it better than me. Well, first of all, I'm excited. One, to circle back in 12, 24 months, dad, and see what, what has come from this vision where Chi Chi is going forward. I will say that it is exciting to talk to a pharmacy that is you know, versus where you were at year four in your business of, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I think I have to quit to where you see full viability growth and a future in what you're doing. And I love that um, because it is a tough time for community pharmacy, but it is people like you that make community pharmacy better and are going to be the ones that survive it. So just for me, thank you. 
um, it's, it's a treasure and a pleasure to know you. And I'm excited to see what you continue to do um, as a leader. So thank you. Dad, what are your thoughts? Any other thing you want to ask? Or I, I, I don't have anything I want to ask. I just kind of want to do a, a recap because there's two or three takeaways that I got. Uh, uh, first of all, the, the way to end this is don't just complain. There's always something you can do about it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you've documented five or six different ways that you've approached that. I, I love how you said in the beginning, I can't quit. I'm going to find a way. You invested in training that had nothing to do with the pharmacy. You went and got leadership training. You certainly figured out how to read P&L statements and to manage from them. And then what I really love is when things were going wrong, it wasn't your team's fault. You needed to figure out how to manage the team. And so you took these leadership courses. Um you know, I, I I am inspired beyond belief by the 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 dedication that you've brought to your profession and the way you've served your community, and um, uh, and on behalf of all those who listen to this podcast, I want to say thank you for your inspirational comments. You're a you're a you're a, a force to be reckoned with, and we're glad to be able to call you friends. And uh, Robin and I counted an honor that we saw you in the beginning, and. Uh, Look forward to seeing you again sometime in the near future. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, uh, that's going to bring us to a close for this episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. Um, thank you for listening. And as always, my, my motivation, my slogan is we're hoping that something you heard here today will help you do more and be better. Take care. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.